0: Hey, hello, this is Professor Game, where we interview successful practitioners of games, gamification and game thinking, who bring us the best of their experiences to get ideas, insights and inspiration to help us in the process of getting students to learn what we teach. And I'm Rob Alvarez, I work at IE Business School Publishing, where we create interactive and engaging learning materials. Wow, Engagers, you'll never guess who we have today, or maybe you do because last week we anticipated who and the incredible guest that we will have today. So today we do have Monica Cornetti, this amazing gamification guru. Monica, are you prepared to engage?
1: <laughs> yes, I guess, let's make it so, let's do it.
0: So Monica has been featured on the cover of Bloomberg Business Week, works with individuals and organizations who want to learn how to think differently to achieve uncommon results. A gamification speaker and designer, Monica was rated number one among the Gamification Gurus Power 100 by RISE in 2015 and 2016, and in 2016 she was also recognized as a top three finalist in the Gamification Guru Award of the Year by the World Gamification Congress in Barcelona, Spain. Monica is also the founder and CEO of the Sententia Gamification Consortium and the author of the book Totally Awesome Training Activity Guide put gamification to work for you. Monica is hired for her skill as a gamification speaker and is considered at the top of her in, of her field in gamification design for corporate learning. And she's certainly an amazing designer in gamification. So Monica, let's dive right in. Is there anything I miss in that introduction? Anything we should know about you? Uh,
1: well, just I'm based in Austin, Texas, which is probably the coolest city on the globe. <laughs> but that might be up for debate by some others on the, on the who are listening that feel the same way about where they live. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's probably it. That's good. You did good. Thank you, Rob. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks to you for coming, for accepting to come to, to our podcast. So I would like to make you the first question, and it's what does a regular day with Monica Cornetti look like?
1: Uh, chaos, I think. Uh, well... <laughs> The reality is, is that I don't have any typical day because uh, I might be in the middle of a design project. I might be in the middle of a delivery of a project. Uh, I could be in the office, but the reality is I I lead uh, what I like to think is what's a small but mighty uh, global gamification strategy company organization. And we have Designers across the globe, and we work in certifying people in how to apply our process. So every day looks different, but I'm always focused on on strategy and direction, and and what what are we doing now that's working and what's not? What might we do different? I I like to uh, evaluate, you know, what's working, what's not working, but pretty much I'm my attention lies in finding ways to take things that are not fun and making them fun so even in my personal life I do a lot of I I call it lying to myself you know like um, (laughs) something I don't like I turn it into a little game like you only have to do this for two more minutes if you don't want to do it after two minutes you don't have to and then after two minutes well that wasn't so bad you want to go another two minutes you can if you want to but you don't have to I mean so uh, a lot of of what I implement into design, I do in my regular life too. So um, I don't know if that really answered your question, but I don't have a regular day. It's different every day of the week. Every single day it's different. Yeah.
0: What what that tells our audience is that definitely you are the go-to person if if we want to know anything about gamification and learning. And that's definitely the case. Oh, thank you. I know that right now you're probably at the top. You can climb even further as usual because we we can always improve ourselves, but I want you to tell us a different story right now. I would like to know the story of what you've seen is the worst application of gamification that you've somehow participated in. It could be in in your own design, hopefully it would be a very personal story, or not. It could be something that you participated collaterally in and, and saw what were the flaws or what were the problems of that. What can you tell us about that, Monica?
1: Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a couple that come to mind. Uh, one was um, an instructor-led training, where uh, it went a little too heavy on the competition side, and it was it was unbalanced, and uh, it was a, a room full of of of, um, of guys who just really took the competition, and I did too much what we call self-hugging in my design and had not anticipated how seriously they would take the competition. I didn't know my learners well enough when I went into it. I mean, that's the bottom line on that, that I had to do some quick adjustments um, to the my calculations, you know, as I'm doing it to to try and figure out how to put some stop gaps on and how to make it evened out because when there's that heavy, when they take it that seriously and somebody starts running away with, uh, it it can really just, it takes all the fun out of it. You know, who wants to play a game you know you can't win kind of thing. When, Mm -hmm. When the football team, like here in the States, you know, the football team's down 98 to 3, everybody the stands are empty the winning team nor the losing team cares anymore no one cares because you know it's it's so unbalanced so that was early on but just recently I was at an event where I was asked to participate via uh, an app that was used uh, for different things throughout the conference but part of it was uh, engagement of the audience And um, the app said that, you know, it was gamified, blah, 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 blah. But um, so I participated in it from both a user and then as an evaluator of it. Going into it, I had my suspicions about how it would work. uh, But I thought, you know, let's just stay open minded. This is is an evaluative process. So let's not do prejudgments. Let's just see how it really works out. But what Mm -hmm. happened was what I expected would happen, which... Is what's wrong with most event apps have you been to an event Rob where they use some kind of event app to engage yeah, the pe- yeah. yeah. and what typically goes wrong is that we're rewarding the wrong behaviors exactly. and uh, <laughs> there's too much emphasis put on bad behavior which is you know just liking somebody's post or re- or sharing somebody's post and somebody's post was I'm here you know and so you <laughs> like <laughs> you know <laughs> it's not worthy of anything it's not worthy of of a, an additional recognition of any kind and certainly not for somebody liking it and somebody not for sharing it and uh especially in uh i like to think when we do rewards i like to make them what i call inconsequential i'd much rather have people competing over a dot what we a dollar store trophy you know a trophy that costs pennies Rather than um, uh, an iPad, you know, something a new, because once we start competing over something that had that could be worth some real dollars, then the whole structure changes again, and that's exactly uh, and, and, what happened uh, here. Yeah,
0: go ahead. We, we listened to to to, uh, to to one of the talks in Gamification Europe recently, and they were talking about the relative value of rewards if you if it's a if it's a personal event even people can come from different p- parts of the world the relative value of an, of an ipad even for some people is is not that valuable but if you take it for example to somebody living in a country that's in in pretty large amounts of poverty maybe they can make out three four five or six salaries out of a single ipad so mm-hmm. the reward is worth something different for that person and that person's going to do some things that you probably don't want him to do he's going to try to trick the game and if you don't have the right rules in place and if it's if if it's all about getting that ipad then they're going to do the wrong things and they're not going to do what you're expecting them to
1: yeah and that's exactly and that's what's you know when we think about well gamification's been around forever we've been doing sales competitions with leaderboards forever what's so new about gamification well yes this is true and what's when you look at what's been wrong with those sales competitions and those leaderboards forever (laughs) is that (laughs) the same people get rewarded every year. The same three people are at the top every year. And the biggest problem for a company is that there's nothing that they're doing to encourage those three salespeople to reproduce themselves in the others. What if, Of course, you know, it could be something about their personality, but usually there's processes, there's things that they consistently do and don't do that help them to be at the top, and we should be rewarding the reproduction of those skill sets throughout our workforce for the betterment of the whole team rather than three individuals who um, a lot of times do things that, and I'm not saying this across the board, but I have experience where a lot of the things they do and you know, border on unethical to stay up there at the top.
0: Yeah, because and, all you want to do when, when yes. the only objective is to stay on top of the board. You do everything you can to stay on top of the board and, and, and boom, maybe you have a financial crisis happening. Yeah. <laughs> not, not to right? in, name many names. <laughs> so yeah,
1: yeah. All right. That, so that's yeah. It's a
0: badly designed game as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's, and that's where, and I was disappointed and, um, when, in just the, uh, the app had a, like a closed, uh discussion loop so there was things you could do Mm. publicly on Twitter but it also had just an internal closed loop which is good too that was fine and so I just I just put a post out there consider you know consider this what if we were rewarding the wrong behaviors and what if we had done this and so that got some good conversation going again it wasn't uh, it was supposed to be an evaluative process and I think we gained a lot from it and these are the, the kind of the things that through experience and just through, practice. Uh, yeah, practice. That you know, we're asking for trouble here. This we can expect that probably something's going to go wrong. In a perfect world, with all virtuous people, <laughs> it, <laughs> it that, wouldn't. It,
0: that's not us, humans. Yes,
1: yes, it's just not going to be right. And we're all, we all have can have that little bit of killer in us, depending on what we're talking about. You know, I've seen it come out, in me, it's surprising.
0: Killer, killer player type, yes. just if you yeah. were wondering. I'm if you're sorry. new to, yes. this, to this terminology, killer player type.
1: And, it's, and we're not talking
0: about real killers.
1: Really. Thank you for clarifying <laughs> that, Rob. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and it's surprising when it comes out. Sometimes you're like, I don't even really care about this. Why am I acting this way? You know, why am I acting like this is really that important? And, uh, yeah, so we'll see some of those bad behaviors come.
0: So I, I, I'd like to point out two things of your of both of your stories, which were, which were very interesting. The, the first one from the first story that you mentioned it directly is. Know who you're going to cater your your training or your educational program towards. That's very important. If it's a super broad audience, know that you'll have a super broad audience and that you'll maybe have to have different elements for different types of people. You You can categorize them through the player types. But you can also categorize them through different means it could be uh, you know senior executives it could be very young people who are just e- exiting university it could be by different careers because maybe some of them are very technical some of them are more human oriented i mean there's many ways you can categorize the people that your your learners but it's always imp- important to make a, a little bit of that research if you don't if you've never done it before with them to understand a bit more how they will work what what ticks them and if they're super ultra competitive, you have to be aware that that's going to be an element around there. And, and on, the, on your second story, uh, Monica, I, I, I would like to highlight as well the, the importance of balancing out the rewards. If you're going to give away rewards, um, I, I'm not the one who says you, you can't do this and you cannot do this other rewards, but always think about how that's going to modify their behaviors. Because again, as we were speaking, if you're gonna give an iPad, that can mean a lot of things for many people. Or if you're going to put them at the top of the leaderboard in the organization, that could mean you know maybe a promotion, maybe their careers you know take off. So so whatever the reward is that you're giving, you have to be conscious of the consequences that it's going to have. At least think them through. And you can commit mistakes. That's that's part of the learning process. That's part of the fails. You know, first attempt and learning. Um, but th- those are the things that you have to think about and be be conscious and be very aware that you might have to iterate on. Because maybe you have something that's ongoing, and maybe you have to make some modifications and say, well, the rules have changed a bit. We have realized these things are happening, and to to keep it fair, we want to change the rules a bit and 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 allow these other types of things as well. So so always keep that in mind. That that's my me- message for the engagers. Is there is there anything else you want to point out from your ex- from that experience, Monica?
1: Uh, yeah, I think everything you said is so important and. Uh, when we're thinking about changing the rules, of course, iteration is part of design. And when we need to change it, we should change it. And uh, the other thing I've learned uh, from being a participant in in something like that is that if ever you're going to change the rules, you got to let people know before you do it, not after. <laughs> Cause exactly. Because if, <laughs> if you change the rules, you know, it's like playing games with your seven-year-old niece or, you know, it's like they keep changing the rules as you go. To and you're like wait, For their benefits, <laughs> wait yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait what wait what what yeah so people because <laughs> that you know that whole uh, I'm real big on that um, the Adam's equity theory about you know people that sense of fairness is so strong in us and as soon as we think yeah. that something is unfair we're out yeah 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 so as long as you know we have to understand it we may not particularly like it but we see yeah well that's fair okay that's fair we can make that work (laughs) so that has to be a big part of it yeah that's right that's good thank you Rob
0: (laughs) fantastic thanks to you great stories um now I want to shift quite a bit and and I would like to ask you what is a big the biggest challenge that you faced uh, and solved using gamification especially in, in the learning arena so so take us there. Take us to that story.
1: Mm, I think it's really like how I even got started. I, I honestly kind of tripped and fell into the whole training arena. I was a, an administrator at a large not-for-profit, had implemented our whole strategic planning system, written it, implemented it for 10 years. And when I resigned from that position, I got invited to speak at an event on developing strategic plans. And so that was the topic, and I was like, well, I've done, of course I can do this. No, yeah, right, okay. So I went, I was really excited, and uh, unfortunately, like about 20 minutes into that presentation, I realized that the audience really wasn't listening that much anymore. And mm-hmm. yeah, my first thought was, what's wrong with these people, right? So what's wrong with these people? Because I had <laughs> I had my, you know, five the five things to avoid in strategic planning, the seven step, you know, the readiness checklist is your team ready for strategic planning, the 12 step implementation process. I mean, I had all this, I was the SME, but I was disconnecting. And I think really like the real ouch on that one, Rob was the guy, there was one guy in the very back of the room at the back row. He was like leaning back in his chair, looking up at the ceiling. And I could see he he had his finger up and he was, counting the ceiling tiles. (laughs) And when I saw that, I thought, oh my God, he's calculating the square footage of this room. And that's more interesting than what I'm talking about. How can that be? How can that possibly be? And so when I was driving home from that event, like I was kind of like crushed, you know, I was relieved, but I thought, you know, I, I had fun. Unfortunately, I think I was the only one in the room that had fun because I had never really done anything like that before. I'd never been that front of the room person. I, As the administrator, my goal was that you never had to get to me. If you got to me, something was way wrong. So um, that front of the room and I enjoyed it, but I stopped at our bookstore. We had a little local bookstore on my way home that afternoon and I went and I bought a book by a guy named Mel Silberman. It was about designing interactive learning experiences. This is brand new territory for me. I am just fascinated by every single single thing that I read in that book. But the real key was at the exact same time that was happening, I had I have three boys and they were teens at the time and they would spend hours in our rec room playing games with their friends. I mean, mm-hmm. hours in a lot of you know what i'm talking about and you had yeah, mom, and you still do <laughs> and you had or you have moms or spouses or somebody like me who would say come on we you've been down here for hours we got and they you know i couldn't get them to study for a spanish test for 20 minutes but they could play <laughs> games for hour 5 hours and I'd say, come on, you guys got to go home You're, to their friends. And and so, but what I, I just started like, what is it? How can this be so fascinating for them? And so I would just observe and I would listen and I would watch. And I just thought, you know, what can I pull from what I'm seeing here and start moving into my uh, training and so, I had moved into and I was designing training for for clients by this time that both I was delivering to much greater success than the original one and uh, that I, that they were delivering kind of out of the box programs. But I was weaving this game thinking into it, and I had no idea that it was actually like a thing that other people were doing. I was on a call with a client mm-hmm. in 2012 and I had worked with her in the past, and she said to me, these were her words, she said, I want you to design a creative thinking program for our managers. I know you do that gamification thing, and I think that's the direction we should go. So this is 2012. And I'm replying to her, I said, oh, Susan, I think that's a great idea. You know, the creative thinking is a great way to go, blah, 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 So let me put some ideas together and I'll, I'll get back with you, I'll call you tomorrow. But as I'm saying those words to her, I am sitting at my computer screen, googling gamification. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't. I'm like, gamify what? I had no idea what she was talking about. I had not heard the term. I didn't know. You know, it was on Google. It was a Google trend for two years already. People had been delivering sessions at South by Southwest for two years already on it, and I didn't even know what it was. And hmm. as I'm looking at it, I thought oh my gosh, this is what I do, and there's a whole community that does it, and and it. so it went from that to me getting to know the community to me forming this global uh, organization that trains in this. We have a trademarked and proven process on adding gamification into learning programs, so if you think about to me that's like my biggest challenge was i thought this would be a fun thing to do to get into to deliver on content that i was a subject matter expert quite honestly i was really really bad at it and <laughs> i i learned through observation and trial and error and doing and and you know failing and picking myself up and trying it again of really how to effectively apply gamification in the learning field so that it can make learning engaging and fun, and it gives people hooks to remember it, that they can retrieve it later, that they can actually apply it in real life, that it'll move the levers to impact bottom line of an organization. Everything that training, that people generally think training is not, gamification, can make it so that it really does impact an organization in a yeah. positive way.
0: No. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I I can completely relate to your story, Monica. That's that's an amazing story. And and I, I like to take out from from your story as well for, for the engagers to to see how, how the impact of all these things, how, how a journey can take somebody from from not even realizing that they were doing gamification into turning into Monica Carnetti nowadays, that is one of the gurus in the worldwide scene. I mean, a very recognized person in the world of gamification came out two years, maybe more, because there were probably people doing it before that, that they were doing gamification and here came Monica who was doing all these processes and didn't know about it. And now she's one of the top gurus in the world who knows about gamification and to who uses them in learning and development. So so my invitation is to all of you that there's many things that we can do. There's many things we can learn from and practice is what the only thing that can make perfect. There's there's nobody who's who's already there and and the thing is to actually start and get going so is there anything you'd like to, to add to this Monica
1: yeah I, I that's exactly Rob to me uh, I like to remind people because when you're getting into the early stages of gamification design there are a lot of moving parts and it you can have that you know if you're familiar with Set Csikszentmihalyi's concept of flow you know you're up there in that top left yeah. quadrant pretty <laughs> you're frustrated you're you know you're beyond your skill level I don't know how to do this but Everything that you are, to, are a master at now, there was a time when you had no idea how to do it. Exactly. And now people come to you to learn something. And so for everyone who's interested in, in gamification and you're thinking, well, I don't... But think about what you are a master at right now that you, uh, at some time, you you had no idea what you were doing. And now people That's turn it. to you. So
0: That's it. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, Monica... Uh, about, I know you have a very thorough process for creating uh, learning and, and, and gamification. It's, you even have a certification process around that. So, I wanted, even if it's not at the deepest level, to give us a, a, an introduction to, to what's the process that you follow for, for creating gamification and learning. And, and, and even again, if it's, it's not going to the deep level, give us uh, the, the, the top level things and, and where we can know more about your process.
1: Okay. So we do have a, a trademark proven process that we follow, like you said, Rob, that it we really take you through five, we call them five levels. And unlike a game, a good game that someone's designed or a good learning program that someone's designed, unfortunately for gamification design, I think that you have to start with something that's really difficult. And in good learning and good games, we would never throw the toughest challenge out there at the very first level. You know, that you would get somebody in, give them quick wins, make them feel good, give them accomplishment, take them to the next level. But in gamification design, it does start with the toughest, and that is knowing why you're even adding gamification. What are the business objectives that you're going to impact? What don't you have now that you need? And how is gamification going to help you achieve that and I always take it back it's two things it's one of two things if we're designing a learning program it either has to increase revenue or decrease costs or we're wasting our time Hmm. there is no reason to have a learning program that does not increase revenue or decrease costs in an organization and now in adult education you know it it because well we need to learn this stuff we don't know this and I need to learn this I need to learn more about this particular topic in a business yes we may need to learn something more about something a particular topic but it better be to increase revenue or decrease costs or we're wasting our time which has been one of the fundamental challenges of learning for years is we can't tie it back to a business objective hmm. from there we go on to Uh, who's our players we do a we teach different ways to evaluate that if it's at its simplest form it might be some interviews some behavior interviews Um, we use something called the Reese profile in our design projects to identify 16 key motivators that individuals have from there we go to uh, a theme or a narrative we do not develop programs without at least a theme Um, And it could be just showing you a a map and taking you through that map so that – and tying everything back to progress and uh, exploration, which are key elements of learning. For learning programs, we specifically focus on how the learning will happen – I like to reference like uh, one of my heroes, Bob Pike, who's one of those guys that I bought his books way early when I was so bad at tra- and delivery. <laughs> and um, in one of Bob Pike's books, uh, Bob Pike's, his book is called Master Trainer. On one page, he has 56 different ways you can deliver information other than lecture so, on one page of one man's book he's identified fifty six ways there's lots of things we can do other than lecture to deliver information and actually, yeah. we don't get to the gamification the mechanics the fun we don't even get to fun to level four of our and it's like <laughs> such a ripoff, right what yeah. we came here to learn gamification, <laughs> and you I gotta wait to level four, but you know you know that if unless we do all those the fundamentals first, fundamentals are the building blocks of fun. Nothing will be fun because we just start slapping mechanics on thinking that this is what gamification is. And it's about psychology more than the mechanics. And so then at the very last level, it's all about aesthetics, emotions, um, how people uh, how it all ties together, doing the very best we can with the look and feel with the resources that we have and uh, just making sure everything ties back to the previous levels. So it is, uh, and we go in depth, we do have three levels all the way up to a gamification master where you actually implement levels one and two, you're still not implementing, you're still in design. Three is implementation, but everything points back to our initial um, early map that is takes you through. We have 30 stepping stones on a map that you walk through and it's you have to do each stepping stone. Some we like more than others, but it's part of, yeah, it's part of successful design.
0: That's fantastic, Monica. I'm guessing that we can find more information about that process at SententiaGames.com. Am I right?
1: Yes, sir. Yes, you can. (laughs) Yes, you can.
0: Monica, I want to take you to the, to the second side of the interview here. Before, in the first part, we were talking about more of the stories. Here, I'm going to make a big challenge because I know both of us like to talk about this
1: topic. <laughs> what are you we're saying, super passionate. What are you saying, Rob?
0: <laughs> that we're super <laughs> passionate about this, this topic.
1: All right. But here, All right.
0: I'm going to make a big challenge yes. and I'm going to ask you to, to, to try and, and make these answers a lot more concise. That's the most difficult part, at okay. least for me. <laughs> all so right. the first one is is to name what you would call a best practice in gamification.
1: Starting with your objectives and your players, knowing who the, what those are before you do anything else.
0: If you don't know that, you can start. Makes a lot of sense. The next one, Monica, is what's your favorite game? Mm, anything I'm playing
1: with my grandbabies. I got a three and a one-year-old and we're making up games all the time.
0: So Pika who can be one of the games, right?
1: We do, yeah. They're a little bit, they're a little bit more physical now than that, yeah. So it's like, you know, yeah, sure. grabbing a laundry basket and a tennis ball, and how many can you get in in one bounce? You know, those kind of just yeah. wherever we are making games, having fun, that that kind that's of thing. Great. Yeah,
0: that's great. The next question is, Monica, who would you like to listen to interview in, in Professor Game?
1: I'd like to hear Bernardo uh, La- Latif interviewed. Have you interviewed him? <laughs> Uh, he, um, no,
0: but I promised him an interview after after we we met at Gamification Europe, so it's coming.
1: Yeah, he just won the award for best gamification platform, Blue Rabbit, which we use. And uh, I I think that I'd love to hear about his experience as a teacher using that and what he's doing with his kids there.
0: Absolutely. Big shout out, uh, Bernardo Luteif from Mexico. Uh, right. Monica, I would like to know aside of course, from your book which book <laughs> would you recommend to our listeners?
1: Oh, one book? Mm. Um, okay, well I think the one that's most fascinating for me right now because of um, net neutrality is Ready Player One.
0: That's fantastic, and, and repeat for, for the audience, I'm not sure if we said it before, what's the exact name of your book?
1: Uh, my book is Totally Awesome Training. Uh, it's an activity guide on putting ga- put gamification to work for you. Totally Awesome Training,
0: yeah. So there you go, two awesome books that you can read. The next question is Monica is very unconventional, and I would like to know what is your superpower in gamification?
1: I think I guess it's I guess it's my psychology background, just understanding that people don't do what you think they'll always do, and understanding that that's a that's such a huge part of successful gamification. Is um, you know we call it like behavioral economics or psychology, but just that motivating people and understanding
0: what, yeah, that's super, super useful. I always remember that it's not just about making something fun. It's about what's the behaviors you want to motivate. And that's comes as Monica says from psychology and behavioral economics. Monica, we're reaching the end of our interview today. It's been a blast for us. And I would like to ask for you from you to give us a final piece of advice for the engagers who, who have never, well, probably never used gamification before. What would you tell them? Would they, maybe where, where would you ask them to start?
1: Well, first off, start for one thing. Don't don't let paralysis analysis or whatever analysis paralysis get you, keep you from starting. Uh, I think the most important thing is to start small and understand that iteration is part of design. It's okay if it didn't work. What didn't work, and fix it. Try it again. Yeah, it will work. You just have to get started. Don't let fear keep you from starting
0: it. That's a fantastic advice because if we don't get started, we'll never finish. Right, right?
1: and it won't be perfect. I can tell you right now. (laughs) Don't (laughs) expect it to be because it won't be, and it's okay that it's not. You'll learn. We'll get it. We'll get there.
0: Fantastic. Thank you very much, Monica. I would like to to know where our engagers can connect with you and then we'll say game over.
1: Oh, thank you. So I'm on Twitter. It's uh, just Monica Cornetti. Uh, I have my personal website because I still do quite a bit of speaking uh, at events. Uh, So it's monicacornetti.com. And then also uh, our Sententia site for gamification strategy is
0: sententiagames.com. That's that's fantastic, Monica. Is there is there anything else that we haven't asked you that you you still want to share with the audience before we say game over? Uh, just the
1: last thing is I was thinking about is that, you know, it's not scientific, but it is mostly the psychology that makes gamification successful. And so always as we're designing, when we talk about knowing our players, there is a, a, a syndrome that happens, what we call self-hugging, that we design for ourselves instead of for our users. And that's why it's so important to know who our players or our users are. Because we think it's fun does not mean our players will think it's fun. So we that's that's why it's so important to make sure we know who they are. And I don't think I really addressed that enough of why why that strategy is so important.
0: Fundamental, know know who you're talking to. I mean, I'm I'm sure this applies to almost any field you you can think of. If you're if you're going to be a speaker and you address the wrong audience, you'll you'll probably not get the best results. If you're a professor or a teacher, if you address people in the in the wrong place, you'll you'll probably not end up in the in the place you wanted to be in the first place. And and of course, if you're designing. Gamification which is involves the psychology of people you have to know the people you're you're designing for and, and understand a bit of Of their psychology what drives them what motivates them and and design for them? I mean it can be can be better advice. Thank you very much, Monica.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Rob. Thank you so much for having me I've really enjoyed it ton of fun. Thanks so much
0: We had a, a lot of fun as well and thank you for participating in professor game and we'll catch you on the flip side game over Hey, Engagers, thank you for listening to Professor Game Podcast. If you want more interviews with incredible guests like Monica Cornetti and lots of awesomeness from Professor Game, then go to professorgame.com slash subscribe and get started into our email list. That way, you can be in contact and you will be the first to know of any opportunities that Professor Game might have for you. Before you go into your next mission, would you like to know how Eric van Mekelen got his game started into doing his own book? Well then, listen to the next episode of Professor Game. See you there.